Hey, let's go to Gabby Bowles, who's been involved in football her whole life. I can't even name... I mean, if, if there's a sign on your door, it's got about eight titles. So, Gabby, good morning. Welcome to our show. Uh, tell us about this new role. Uh, yeah, morning. Um, so, yeah, 1st of May, we've had a bit of a restructure at Mariners. There's a lot more resources being pulled into the admin team. And, um, yeah, that's seen me move out of the commercial department and into a new role. Hasn't really existed at the club before. So I'm general manager of philanthropy, grants and community in a nutshell. Um, our foundation, which a lot of people aren't aware of, we have a not-for-profit arm of the club, Central Coast Mariners Foundation, and that's home to our academy and our community programs and our pathways. My role will be to increase the funding we get into that um, and what comes through so that we can do more in the community space and first big focus is on how we can get more uplift in, in the women's space off the back of this World Cup. Uh, that title, can you say that five times quickly? Oh, no. We, yeah, Mate, we finish up at 11 o'clock. We finish at 11. Seriously, her door is a roller door. That's how big the sign is. It's unbelievable. Gabby, I think it's fantastic. And obviously on the back of the, the success of the Mariners uh, this season, um, it's only going to make your job, I dare say, as hard as it's going to be, just that little bit easier. Yeah, look, possibly. Philanthropic donation in sport is not probably something that we're as familiar with on mm. the central coast there's some fantastic organizations that do it and make a massive difference Seneca Clark Foundation is a is a perfect example um, you know and we work closely we work closely with those guys too what we you know really want to do is make sure that people that are passionate about football that that have seen the gaps and the challenges for kids on the central coast now have an avenue where they can put funds in they can get a tax deduction and we can actually help grow outcomes i mean i started playing on the coast when i was 12 and you know albeit I didn't have enough natural skill to ever warrant going anywhere, but I was lucky enough to play with some incredible players on the coast, some who got the opportunities and went to the next level. But, you know, particularly in the women's space, there were a lot of barriers. I played with girls that had to travel to Sydney a couple of times a week mm -hmm. just to access development pathways, uh, like the Institute program. You know, I know a lot of girls that then dropped out of the sport because, you know, it, it just wasn't realistic the travel the financial commitment that's something we want to change and that'll be my primary focus starting you know now is is how we can shift that for this next generation coming through where do you go to school uh, I went to school at St Joey's was where I started playing football started playing with East Gosford at 12 and then uh, went up to Marta Day and Corpus Christi so I was lucky enough to play with Cassandra Kell which was um, you know that was pretty huge yeah I only asked that for one reason you needed a teacher like Mr Butner to uh, guide <laughs> you on the pathway hey that's, uh, that's a fair point you, Steve that's a fair point actually on that I had when you're telling that story Butes I had a teacher that was very much like you Mr Regateri a maths teacher would walk yeah. into the classroom with his two litre bottle of cordial and a loaf of bread <laughs> and if we could get him talking about my dad who he knew we knew we had 45 minutes of nothing well there you go I, they had 45 minutes of nothing because I had the paper to read so you're actually you could have changed your name by Depol to Mr Seinfeld yes I could have <laughs> so the, the class about nothing yeah. hey so you were there on Thursday night and you told us off the air a moment ago you went to the Sydney 2000 Olympics so uh, maybe compare both as an event 
Yeah, I mean, the Olympics was a really special event, but for me, uh, one of the things, one of the events I bought tickets to was was one of the women's football games, and that was my first experience of, you know, top shelf women's football, and the fact that you could watch that as part of Olympics at the time was. It was a massive buzz for me, you know. It didn't feel like women's sport had had, or not women's football particularly, had had that sort of visibility before. And to see where it's come and be in that stadium on Thursday night, it was it was a whole different level. But just, you know, as a female footballer, got me so excited that other people are recognising what I've always been passionate and many others have always been passionate about. I'll tell you another observation we had, Buttes, is, you know, when you watch the netball, so New South Wales Swifts versus Adelaide Thunderbirds, you can hear a higher pitch from the crowd, which, which lets you know that there's a younger demographic of female fans. And you could hear that the other night, like yeah. as well as everyone else that's on board. And I'm saying there's 2 million viewers at home watching, which is uh, like probably a lot of men in our demographic, but in the stadium, so you know there's a lot of a lot of girls with dreams and aspirations. And, and I agree. And, you know, we've seen this, Gabby, with the origin and, and what that's done for female sport. I was going to ask you about the breakdown of, you know, the crowd that were there. Like, you know, as you're mingling around and seeing people, I dare say there's a lot of families there. There's a lot of young girls that are going along and watching their heroes um, perform. And, and to do it on that grand scale, you know, the first time Australia's ever had the World Cup here, um, it's really significant. Yeah, look, it's it's an interesting run, right? I've um, it's it's a much, I find that a female sports audience is a lot more diverse. You know, you've got you've got more diversity as far as who's going. I remember as a kid going to a state of origin with my dad, and the highlight for me was I could get a bit tribal. You know, they you know when you think about um, you know you think about unconscious biases when it comes to men and women's sport. Women are told to be polite, to um, you know, to to be nice, be quiet, be seen and not heard. And when you get into the sporting arena, you can let loose. You can let loose. And I've had this debate with a couple of people at APL before when they say they want to market the women's game to families. I'm a mum of five. I love my kids dearly, but I arc up at that. I, I've got nothing wrong with taking my kids to the sport and enjoying it. But women have an identity that they connect with sport that's beyond being a mum. It's really easy to it's really easy to, to get into the family friendly thing. What I love is when you see women there getting loud, getting rowdy, going with their mates, it's no different to a night out for the boys. And yet sometimes the perception is, you know, it, it needs to be centered around the family. There's actually a want for women to just go and get tribal and support their team. And um, that's what I like seeing, you know, and then you've got the younger girls who are aspiring to be like that. It's a license just to, you know, to really get behind it and get rowdy in a, in a positive way. So I, I think I like the, the diversity that's there. Yeah, I love that answer. And uh, mm. I love the other night too. And I'm, I'm assuming it was the Irish, but they were in fine voice. And I feel like, you know, we need to learn, we need to find a way to sing more to support our team. But it's interesting you say that because one day Kira Dibb, so she played for the Gillaroos and last year she played with Newcastle. They won the NRLW competition. She came up to me one day and she said, Steve-O, who's the DJ at the NRL? And I said, how come? And she said, we don't want to hear Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper or, you know, Whitney Houston. It's yeah, raining, well, man. No, well, that's, that's She said, Steve, we want to hear everything they play for the men. So play some ACDC and give us some Guns N' Roses and, you know, maybe give us some, you know, gangster rap or whatever it is. 
but we don't want girly songs just because we're women playing in the NRLW. And I thought that's a really, really good point. Hey, Gabby, you're just talking about like funding gaps and you've met with some really influential business people on the Central Coast. Uh, can you elaborate on that on the Air Force? Yeah, so we're, we're building a program out at the moment. Um, there's a lot of conversation. Matilda's put out a video the other day about funding gaps in women's sport. And it can often make people uncomfortable when you have that conversation. There's plenty of evidence and plenty of research that demonstrates there is a gap between funding and visibility in men and women's sport. So rather than talking about the problem, the problem exists. The focus we'll be taking is on fixing it. There's women out there who want to support other women. There's, there's blokes who want to support women's programs because they've got a daughter or a wife who's in the sport. So what we'll be looking to do is attract people who want to put donations in to close some of those gaps so we can ensure that the women have the same resources that our, that our men have access to and then we don't have to have this argument. Rather than talking about the problem, let's focus on being the solution. Yeah, great answer. In the days of like a marquee behind the grandstand for women are long gone, thank goodness. And you know, Mick just showed me some numbers. So I've been saying it was almost 2 million viewers, half a million for the cricket, Less than 200,000 for Thursday night footy on the NRL. Mick's showing me, I think the national numbers from Channel 7 are closer to 5 million. Mm. Watching the Matildas, gee, I tell you, if you can't get funding with a 5 million audience in Australia, then something's wrong. Yeah, but that's the difference the visibility makes, right? Like this Women's World Cup and being able to see it and view it and, and get eyeballs on it, which ultimately re results in more commercial dollars, is because it's at prime time, because we're able to watch it when typically we wouldn't. The fact that you guys alone are talking about women's sport this morning increases that visibility. So it starts to debunk that argument. There's plenty of people interested. There is an audience for it. But you can't put it on, you know, at, at second-rate broadcast times and you can't hide it in the background and then argue that there's no commercial argument for it. Give it visibility, raise it to the surface. Yep. That's, you know what, it's almost like tokenism. If you're going to do that stuff, then it's considered token for me. So let me ask you a question. Are you glad, like if we look at the National Rugby League, are you glad the women have gone to a standalone state of origin as opposed to being like a curtain raiser, for instance, on the NRL bandwagon? Yeah, definitely. I've heard arguments in the A-League space for why should a women's game be a curtain raiser to a men? Why not have the women's game after the men's game? Um, it's Look, it, it can make people uncomfortable having the conversation and pointing out the differences. I don't think, more often than not, it's not an intentional bias. It's, it's generational. And this is something that's growing. If you treat men and women's sport as products... Remove the gender argument. Treat them as products. When you have a new product or an emerging product, you increase investment with it. You increase visibility. You improve, you know, broadcast times or, or airtime, or you take the larger advertisement because you need to get cut through in a marketplace. Then let's have the commercial argument. But until until they're getting the same exposure, you know, that's it's the, the argument doesn't stack up. Hey, gee, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Don't forget, later on today, the catch-up podcast will come out, so I'm sure you want to share that with all the Mariners members. Well done, Gabby. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and go the Matildas. What a first hour.